Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's caught for a touchdown. We're here to help you win your leagues and win that cash. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts in the morning. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Tuesday, December 11th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds the Spitting Statistician. And as always, I am overjoyed to be joined by my man, FSWA Hall of Famer, El Rey de Fantasia, the king, Scott Engel. Scotty, how you doing? Your Seattle Seahawks looking like they got a nice grip on a wild card spot after last night. Yeah, yeah it was good to see. Uh, mostly a defensive game there on, uh, until yep. the till the very end. You know, the 21-7 score really doesn't uh, reflect offensively what happened last night. You know, the Seahawks... Uh, you're doing a really good job of mostly holding down the Minnesota wide receivers last night. Dalvin Cook did get a late touchdown to make, maybe change some fantasy fortunes. On the other side, uh, you know Russell Wilson, good player, bad game, but the uh, defense and the running game pretty much carried the Seahawks last night. Yeah, they absolutely did. The running game and the defense did carry the Seahawks. And I wanted to ask you, Scott, I mean, you know, I think Russell Wilson is a very good quarterback. I'm going to say that from the start, okay? I think, to be quite honest, he's one of the five best quarterbacks maybe in the NFL. But he had a bad game last night, Scott. I mean, that touchdown, I mean, that interception at the end of the first half, similar to how, remember, uh, yesterday's show, I was giving Tom Brady smack for getting sacked there at the end of the first half and, like, having the clock run out. Russell Wilson did something like even worse, he was trying, in essence, to not get sacked and not have the clock run out and preserve the potential for, by the way, a Sebastian Janikowski field goal. But it didn't happen. He tried to throw it away. It didn't happen. Just chuck it up Kendricks with the interception. Now, now listen, Scott, I talk about people like Blake Bortles, Alex Smith as a game manager. This is the stat line of the winning quarterback last night, Scott. 10 for 20. 72 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, 72 yards from the winning quarterback. At one point in time, like in the half, in, in, in the first half, the Minnesota Vikings had something like 19 plays from scrimmage. 
uh, Scotty, is defense back? All of a sudden, we've been talking about the NFL, you know, these crazy uh, scoring league. But we've talked about recently the Dallas defense. We've talked recently about the Bears defense. I posit the way the Ravens are playing. Uh, do we have to have the Seahawks defense in the conversation as well? Uh, you know, they played really good the last two weeks. Uh, yeah. I think there is some vulnerability there still, you know, that we've seen. Uh, but the, the, I think they defensively, uh, Ken Norton Jr. just coached them up really well last night. Uh, Tommy Bobby Wagner is playing at a defensive player of the year level. The defensive line yeah. is playing really good. So I, I think that, you know, they're gelling. You know, this is typical Pete Carroll, though. The Seahawks start slow, then they pick up momentum, and then they really, you know, towards the end of the regular season, you know, they're in a groove here. So it, it's something to watch. The defense has played really, really good the last few weeks. So it's 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 certainly something to keep an eye on. As for Russell Wilson, uh, you know, it's it, again, it's a good it's a good player and a bad game. You know, there's no de- no defending the interception. They were lucky it wasn't a pick six. You know, but Kendrick yeah, if he didn't stumbled. stumble, he would have taken it to the house. Yeah. But you know, Russell Russell Wilson is one of those quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is another that they just don't give up on a play. You know, it's almost like right. they don't want to accept failure, some sort of failure. And if he gets sacked and the clock runs. That's failure. So he tries to make something happen. And sometimes that's really good. And you've seen a lot of magical Russell Wilson plays in, in the past because of that. You know, but sometimes it's it's going to go the other way. You know, there's, there's other guys like, you know, watching the Bills and the Jets again yesterday. Like Josh Allen yeah. doesn't give up on a play, but, you know, then he'll turn the ball over three times. And, right. you know, Sam Darnold may not give up on a play and he'll turn the ball over. You know, those younger quarterbacks, you know, they – they they uh they don't bring enough to the game yet to where to where passing wise you know that it's not going to hurt them more than say a guy like a Russell Wilson or a Patrick Mahomes or somebody sure. like that but it's a long way of way of just saying good player bad decision bad game every once in a while you know watching Wilson you know he feels like he has to carry the offense and there was no Doug Baldwin last night the passing game didn't look didn't look that good. Uh, he wasn't able to hit it like any of his deep passes. I think, you know, sometimes Wilson gets that mentality that he's got to force something. And, you know, even even the best quarterbacks have some bad traits sometimes or make bad decisions. Yeah, no, I hear you. Let me ask you this, though, because now, you know, if you are live and you moved on, surviving advanced in order to win your leagues and win that cash, then, I, you know, kudos to you. I know Scott is still live in a lot of leagues. I did, in fact, go down in the Greenwich Street Tavern League that we talk about all the time. But, you know, I'm still live in some others as well. Here's my question as we spin it forward, Scott. I mean, Russell Wilson had 20 attempts last night. The Seahawks ran the ball 42 times. Scott, last night, I understand Bug Baldwin wasn't there. I understand it was kind of a physical nip-and-tuck game for most of it. I mean, this game was 3 nothing into the fourth quarter, okay? So the 21-7 final is something of a misnomer. But here's what I want to ask you, Scott. Like, they have two games left. I mean, excuse me, they have three games left, the Seahawks. Two of them are against, like, teams with three wins. So you got to figure that they're going to try and apply this same approach, right, where using their running and their defense – Russell Wilson completed 10 passes in this game, Scott. How can you trust any Seattle wide receiver in fantasy moving forward? Russell Wilson, they are winning games where Russell Wilson is completing 10 passes. I understand that Lockett goes 5 for 42. Maybe you'll be okay with 9.2 fantasy points. But I can't start any Seahawks pass catcher moving forward. Can you? Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with that on one guy there. 
uh, you know, even if he didn't do nothing last night. You have to remember, like, we can't overreact to to one game from Russell Wilson. You know, last night. But this night, isn't an overreacting. They've been running the ball 60% of the time all season, Scott. There was another game. He had, like, 13 for, completions. I know, but if I'm going to okay. finish here, uh, you know, Russell Wilson has, you know, for, for multiple touchdown passes coming in in eight consecutive games. And last night was only the second game in which he didn't throw a touchdown pass. Coming in eight consecutive games in 11 of 12. Tyler Lockett has nine touchdown passes, nine touchdown receptions. You know, Minnesota was kind of a tough draw last night, you know, for for a passing game like that, which can only use one wide receiver. I still think you still got to roll out Tyler Lockett uh, as a as a wide, rec- wide receiver three in the next mm. two games when they face San Francisco and Kansas City. Uh, it's going to be very, very hard to keep Tyler Lockett A out of the end zone and B for making plays. You know, Lockett didn't have a great line last night. You know, he made some key catches, but uh, look, Tyler Lockett's, you know, having the best year of his career, and I think, think you still have to start him as a wide receiver three. Russell Wilson, outside of last night and one game early in the season, has been incredibly efficient with his touchdown passes, and Tyler Lockett's usually the first guy on the receiving end of those. Okay. Um, I hear that. Would you go so far as to slap the quote-unquote touchdown-dependent tag on someone like Tyler Lockett? It is, but it's worked when you talk about you know, you. nine. Listen, Cameron Braid is touchdown-dependent. He just he, keeps he's on touchdown-dependent in a good way. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's possible. Yeah. We often say touchdown-dependent. It's not a bad – it's usually a bad thing because it means you can't keep it up, but Tyler Lockett just continues to do it because Russell Wilson – when he's on his game, and he's been on his game for a lot of the year, uh, you know, just not just not last night, one other game, he throws one of the one of the best deep balls in all of football, and that's Tyler Lockett's skill set. Tyler Lockett is is healthy. He last year he wasn't healthy, and and you're seeing you're seeing the results. You know, it's it, it's almost like it's almost like uh, comparable to like Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. in a way. You know, with the right. way these the way these two hook up. You know, it's just a connection in most teams can't seem to stop. No, I, I, I hear you. Listen, uh, it, the touchdowns have been coming, uh, so that's why I made kind of the analogy with Cameron Bray, right? Like, yeah, you could be touchdown dependent, but if they keep coming, then you'll keep taking them, right? So I hear that. Let's go on over to the other side of this game real quick. I mean, on the Seattle side, the, other, the last thing I will say is that Chris Carson running like a man. You know what I mean? 22 carries, 90 yards, and a touchdown. To your point, and you, you're no stranger to this, Scott, as you know, as a Big 12s fan and all that. Um, you know, the man runs very violently. The man, you know, uh, runs with force. He reminds me of, I know you, obviously, Marshawn Lynch, a former Seahawk, but to me, he reminds me a little bit of Chris Ivory in the way that he runs, I would say that. And then <clears throat> I also think that Rashad Penny, the speed is evident. You know, there was that one long run where he reversed the yeah. field and kind of almost looking like a punt return. And I think in Carson and Penny, they really do have a budding, you know, like your prototypical you know, I think the term thunder and lightning is used a little bit too much, but these two guys who do play definitively different roles for the Seahawks running game. Carson is one of the best in the league at gaining extra yardage. You know, he, I, I love running backs, and, you know, I just love watching the guy. It's, you know, he, 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 he always gains extra yardage just by draggling tacklers, using good body lean, just real physical at the, po- at the point of attack. You know, some Seahawks fans were comparing him to Lynch. Him and Lynch are different style runners. You know, Lynch is more of was more of like in his prime. He was 
he was arguably the best running back in the entire league in his prime. Nobody played in a bigger game better than Marshawn Lynch at that point. But, you know, he was more of a vision, quickness, cutback, you know, combination of things. Uh, Carson is somebody who comes at you straight ahead. And on the outside, you know, he's got, he's got some deceptive speed. You know, the only thing about him is he stays healthy. I interviewed Carson last week for Seahawks.com, and I asked him about his style. And he's not going to relent because of injuries. He said, I want to, he told me, I want to make the defense feel me. That's the way that I've always ran the ball. That's the only way that he knows how to play the game. And when Chris Carson is healthy, uh, you know, he's one of the more fun guys to watch because he just t- turns two yards into five so easily with his physical play. Yeah, it's almost like a guy like Saquon Barkley needs to learn a little bit from Chris Carson in terms of like it's not always there. And sometimes you have to use your incredible talent to do just like you just said, Scott, turn a two yarder into a four yarder and be happy and stay on schedule with the offense. You know, that's a skill that not everybody has. But the Seahawks are, you know, they are sitting in a good spot right now at eight and five. And like I said, they got three games left. One of them is against the Chiefs. So we know that's going to be tough. Their other two are, I believe, the 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. So and we don't play the we don't play the win loss game. We can't, you know, just write them off right now. But it does look like the Seahawks are in very nice shape to finish right around 10 and 6. Uh Scotty, let me well, I'll ask you this in the next segment. Let's go on over to the Minnesota side. By the way, I think it's it, a little bit interesting stat though. Uh Mike Sando of ESPN just tweeted yeah. it. Five NFL teams have not lost by more than one score in a game this season. The Bears, the Texans, the Seahawks, the Saints, and the Chiefs. That's a good company to be in. All those teams seem to be uh, looking like they will be playing in January in some way, shape, or form. Let's go to the Minnesota Vikings, who I don't know if they'll be playing in January, quite frankly, Scott. Listen, this team has some studs, right? We know this, okay? There's, There's Adam Thielen. One of the top wide receivers in the NFL. There's Stefan Diggs, one of the top receivers, you know, in the league. We talk about all the time how Minnesota and maybe Pittsburgh have the two best wide receiving tandems in the NFL. But Thielen gets five for 70. He was shut out for like the first three quarters. That five for 70 yeah. is mostly garbage time stuff. Stefan Diggs, four for 76. Uh, he had a couple nice plays on the sideline, one deep bomb where he really shows how great yards, he is yeah. at the top, at the point of the catch in 50 50 kind of ball. You know, he shows his skill there as well. You know, Dalvin Cook was fed towards the end in the screen game, stuff like that. But, Scott, I think the narrative goes right back to what, to be quite honest, I was saying at the beginning of the year. This offensive line is not strong, is not solid, is not giving Kirk Cousins time. And we really, people really need to step back and consider how much of an upgrade is Kirk Cousins from the Case Keenum we saw in a Minnesota Vikings uniform in 2017. This $84 million guaranteed and the guy now is still something like now 0-7 in primetime games and remember Case Keenum is over there in Denver the Broncos are 6-7 and the Vikings are 6-6-1 did the Vikings get the right guy Scott? Well I, I think uh, I, I think you know when you look at how far Case Keenum talked Took them last year, you know. Maybe, right. maybe they did there. You know, they, they were talking about it all last night. That was the kind of game that they brought him here there for. Absolutely. And uh, you know, the Seahawks just drew it up really good defensively. Their defensive line dominated. They double teamed both Thielen and yeah. Diggs, and he couldn't hit the other open guy. So right now, it's looking like they gave too much money to the guy. 
So let me ask you this, because, okay, yes, there's the Kirk Cousins, and we've always, and I, we went into this year being like, listen, Case Keenum of last year was like peak, peak Case Keenum, and there was really no difference from, say, something like the PFF grades of Kirk Cousins to what we saw in Case Keenum last year, but I digress. Here's where I'm going to go with this, Scott. And Booger kept on making – Booger, by the way, last night was so down on not only uh, Cousins but also Filippo, the offensive coordinator. And, yes, yeah. you saw it. They are double-teaming Phelan. They are double-teaming Diggs. And they said that, you know, teams have been doing that over the last couple of weeks, right? And so if you're going to do that, isn't it on, I guess, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback, blah, blah, blah? Where is Kyle Rudolph? Where is Laquan Treadwell? Where is Aldrick Robinson? If 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 Diggs and Thielen are getting all the attention, and I don't think that's a horrible idea as a defensive scheme wise, but that means by definition, Scott, you know these guys like Treadwell and especially Kyle Rudolph, they need to be producing. Kyle Rudolph came into this season, Scott, as you know, I would say by most people's ranks, you know, something like tight end. Oh, I don't know, seven or eight. Guy has two catches, seven yards. And it's pretty much defecated the mattress all season long, Scott. Yeah, well, you're asking Laquan Treadwell and Aldrick Robinson to step up and be playmakers. You know, I'm asking them against single coverage, though, when they're not when they're the fourth option. It's Laquan Treadwell and Aldrick Robinson. When you have to, when those guys have to step up, the defense is doing a really good job. Now, for Kyle Rudolph, uh, you know, they tried getting him involved like real quickly, and yeah, uh, just nothing happened there. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, you know, the guy was more of an end zone threat than anything. And, you know, he's really not being used like it. Kyle Rudolph, just a bust. Uh, you know, Laquan Treadwell's a career bust. And Aldrick Robinson is somebody they signed off the street. So if if opponents are going to neutralize those two playmakers, they're in a lot of trouble. They're in a lot yeah. of trouble. Because Dalvin Cook looked good at points last night, but it didn't look like they could rely on him to carry the offense. No, I hear you. But, you know, I, I absolutely agree with you, you know, but uh, by definition, like you can't ask Diggs and Thielen to do it all. You know, if they're getting double cover, it's the same thing like Scotty, you know, we see Josh Reynolds be able to, you know, be like the third wheel and sometimes produce. You got guys like Kirkwood and Traquan Smith popping off on other teams when your stars are being schemed out of it. Other people have to step up. You know, this is what this is what Bill Belichick does all the time. He tries to take away what you do well, and then the next man up kind of has to happen, and it doesn't seem like it's happening for the Minnesota Vikings, especially behind a subpar offensive line and what may be an average quarterback. We'll talk about this a little bit more and spin it forward when we come back on Roto Experts in the morning. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only place to go for 24-7 fantasy sports advice. Once you download the FNTSY Sports Radio app, you'll get the most accurate experts and most entertaining programming in the fantasy sports world. Listen to great shows like Fantasy Football Frenzy. There you go right there, Goon Squad. Game Time Decisions. Good teams win, great teams cover. Fantasy Freestyle. You know what it is. And plenty more. Download the FNTSY Sports Radio app on your iPhone and Android devices now and take the best fantasy sports talk wherever life leads you. Welcome back. Roto Experts in the morning. 
right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dave Martinez and the King, Scott Engel, talking a little bit about Monday Night Football, where the uh, Seattle Seahawks got a 21-7 big-time victory to stay very much alive in the NFC playoffs. We'll talk a little bit more about it in a hot second. But, Scotty, I also got to let people know that the DailyRoto.com NBA lineup optimizer is now available. That means you can use your same tools and projections that DailyRoto.com NFL premium subscribers are using to win each week. Now for the NBA DFS contest. DailyRoto.com has produced seven separate FanDuel and DraftKings million-dollar tournament winners and millions more in cumulative prizes. If you're playing DFS and you're not using the DailyRoto tools, projections, and optimizers, you're just straight up doing it wrong. You're at a competitive disadvantage. So go to dailyroto.com, click on go premium, enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount and start winning today. That's dailyroto.com, click on the go premium tab, enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount and start winning today. Scott, here's what I want to ask you. First of all, we got a poll question up on Twitter and people can follow us at Spit and Speeds at RotoX. I mean, excuse me, at Scotty RotoX. And um we got the poll is this now now that the Seahawks have won and they have something of a little bit of a working margin for the five seed. I want to you know, I want to put the playoff folk picture into focus here in the NFC, because I think our division winners, you know, if you, there's four teams that are in those spots and those guys look pretty good. Right. The Rams look good to win the NFC West. The Saints look good to win the South. The Bears look good to win the North. And it looks like the Cowboys look decent to win the East. All of those teams, I believe, have two game margins with three left to play at least. Now, the Seahawks, who get a W, they go to 8-5. and five. They are, you know, sitting pretty in the driver's seat for the five seed. Now, then if you look behind them, there are no more teams in the NFC, Scott, that are over 500 with their loss. Yesterday, or last night, the Minnesota Vikings go to 6-6-1. Six, six, and one with the tie and three games left to play. The Carolina Panthers, who are on now something like a four or five game losing streak, are six and seven. The defending champion Eagles, who are, you know, kind of on a slide themselves, had a chance to step up against Dallas, couldn't do it. They are at six and seven. And the Washington football team, you know, headed by, I guess, Josh Johnson now, they are at six and seven. With this loss, you know, technically the Vikings now are the six seeds still at six, six and one. So we got a poll question up, Scotty. Which 500 or worse team do you think is going to take that quote-unquote earn the last playoff spot in the NFC? Who do you like the last three games in this sprint to the finish? The Vikings, the Panthers, the Eagles, or the Washington football team? Or dare I say it, someone else like Tampa at 5-8? and eight. Yeah, I don't think it's happening for Tampa. I mean, you know, fair. I was, watching, I was watching James Winston last night. You know, that guy okay. got a big problem with his, with his accuracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where do you go? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with the Vikings. Uh, you know, I still think they're the best team out of out of all of these right here. You know, they're playing really good defense. Uh, I think they'll get something fixed on offense. Uh, the Panthers right now they just they just can't finish a ball game right now when it on the offensive end and on the defensive end they give up too many big plays. But the Eagles are even worse at giving up big plays, and they, they probably have the worst offensive balance of any team on there, and the worst defense. It's like I don't. I don't think the Eagles have a shot. I. I. I think it comes down to the Vikings and the Panthers, and I think it's going to be the Vikings. 
Yeah, I think it's the Vikings as well. I think they have a chance to kind of right the ship if they do a little bit more to protect Kirk Cousins. Because, listen, their defense came to play a little bit, you know, last night as well, Scott. You know, they were they were uh, physical. You know, they have some potential there on defense. I think if they could figure out some things, and like I said in the last segment, you know, scheme to get some guys open that are not named Diggs or Thielen, you know, I mean, our guy Rich on Twitter who chimes in on the show, I think he's, you know, in his classroom prepping for first period right now probably, is saying, you know, how many teams have one stud receiver that battle through double teams each week to still produce? Minnesota has two, Diggs and Thielen. They shouldn't need guys like Treadwell or Aldrick Robinson to produce. But I'm just saying, you know, the beauty of these yeah, quarterbacks but I don't now. Think that, I don't think they, they saw coverage like that. Coverage that's what I agree. Like that until last night. And I, I don't think they, they needed to deal with They would. They were just out coach. If you look at Minnesota's schedule the rest of the way, mm-hmm. they're at Miami next week. Uh, Miami seven well, and actually, six. They host they host Miami, and that's going to be a big game. You know, yeah. if, if the Vikings can win that, I think they make the playoffs. It, that's going to be pivotal. Don't forget uh, the Dolphins are in a flat-footed tie for the sixth seed in yes, the AFC. Yes, so that's going to be a great, a very important game. Then they have the they go to Detroit. You can't assume anything in a divisional game, and then uh, then they got they have Chicago. And Chicago could still be playing for something in Week 17. So schedule-wise, it's uh, it's really tough, I think, for them. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And I would I, here's the thing: like all of these great quarterbacks who at the line, who quote unquote read the mail and identify the matchup and all that stuff, that's what you're supposed to do in this year's in, in this day and age of the NFL. Identify the bad matchup. See what the coverage is gonna do and dictate where the ball goes. It's the same theory as like back in the day why Matthew Stafford became a better quarterback after Calvin Johnson left. You know, because he didn't force feed Calvin Johnson. He went where the ball dictated. And now when teams are playing against the Minnesota Vikings, the ball is you you know, the defense is dictating that the ball needs to go not to Adam Thielen, not to Stefan Diggs because of where if teams are going to legitimately double team both of those wide receivers, then someone else is in a one-on-one matchup and that person has to win. And that's where the ball needs to go for this team. All right. So you think the Vikings, here's you know, a, go ahead. Here's a problem for the Panthers. They play the Saints twice. Yeah, they do. Before, before week 17. So yeah. that, that's a problem for them. But uh, then, then, you, then you look at the Eagles. They have the Rams and the Texans the yeah. next two weeks. So it's not an easy schedule for any of them. You know, we could have an 8-8 eight eight team making, making the playoffs. Yeah, I would say I think – the schedule maybe favors Minnesota because two of their games are at home. And I know Miami is seven and six, but I haven't really believed in them. And for them to travel for the non-conference, I believe Minnesota will still be favored in that one. I also have a slight lean to Minnesota on this question. But, Scotty, I mean, it, it is going to be interesting. It's going to be kind of a uh, – I think it's going to be a flat-footed race for a lot of these teams, uh, you know. Getting into the NFC. Let's, let me ask you this, though, about your Seahawks. Uh, if, if they wind up in the five seed, would you prefer your Seahawks, Scotty? Would you prefer they go to Chicago or go to Dallas on Wild Card Weekend? Because that's, you know, it looks like those would be the two places where, they're punk- where their tickets would have to get punched. And it's interesting because the Bears and the, da- and the Cowboys are both these, like, teams we're talking about great defenses. And then if you mix in the way Seattle wants to play, running the ball and playing defense, can you imagine the total on something like a Seattle-Dallas playoff matchup where both teams would want to kind of run the ball and play good defense? I, th- I think really it's even. 
you know, nothing comes easy in the playoffs. You're not going to walk over anybody. So to say you prefer one team over the other, yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of difficult for me because you know the Bears. I think the Bears maybe have the best defense in the NFL. Right. Uh, I think I think Dallas obviously playing very good defense, but they're balanced. And they do have Chris Richard as one of their defensive minds, so that'll be very interesting to see how the teams strategize against each other because they both know each other's tendencies. That said, you know the the uh, the Seahawks have beaten the Cowboys twice in the last two years, and uh, you know I think it's going to come down to quarterbacks here. Uh, I don't know that that's a difficult call for me. I think they're yeah. both going to be challenging matchups, especially the way Dallas plays. You know, I think Amari Cooper can really challenge. Uh, that that Seattle secondary, I, I think both of those. I think both of those matchups are are really tough. I think Chicago has a better defense. I think Dallas has a better offense and more balance. Uh, to be honest with you, I can't say I prefer either one. Yeah, no, I hear you, Scott. And both of them, to be quite honest, I think you know I use the term from boxing all the time: style makes fight, right? And I mean, like, I think it would be a very interesting stylistic matchup versus either one of those teams. <clears throat> Excuse me, Scott. Those are the matchups. You, it looks to me like you're kind of staring in the face. Ironically, it very easily, very well could be your Seattle Seahawks up against the fantasy executives, uh, Dallas Cowboys in a first. You know round what matchup, happened last time they made the playoffs? What was that? That was Romo's fumble. Oh, yeah. Uh, on the field the goal, right? On the field goal attempt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So but we'll you know see. what's interesting? Somebody asked me yesterday. Yeah. They said uh, fantasy playoff matchups. Yeah. Would you tank your final game to get yourself an easier matchup if it didn't affect anybody else in the playoffs? And I said, I don't see any reason to do that. There's really – you can't you can't just look at one team on paper and say, okay, that's going to be easier for me to win. You're not strategizing against them. You're not game planning against them. And any, any fantasy team can blow up in any given week or can tank in any given week. You may have wanted to not go against a team that had Russell Wilson, Todd Gurley, and Antonio Brown this week, but look what happened. If you, you, you face a team like that, you won and you advanced. I, I mm-hmm. think – I think you can't control results by doing that. So uh, I, I really don't see the point of it. I hear you. Um, remember, Scott, I, I think about a week or two ago, during week 13, we did a segment on that exact topic, um, I believe, because we were starting to get a lot of people wondering if they were trying to manipulate their playoff matchups. We talked about uh, maybe some teams that you may try to face if they got ridiculously bit by the injury bug and things of that nature. We talked about always you know, the second-round matchup that you might face or playing for things like most points as well. So we talked about that a little bit before. I do agree with you. And to be quite honest, the other reason for me is just, you know, karma will always come back and bite you in the hind parts, and I never want to get into that. But absolutely the case. Scotty, you know, as we kind of uh, turn the page or put close the book on week 14 and look forward now to week 15, first of all, Scott, can you believe it is week 15 of the NFL season. It literally feels to me like just a couple of days ago when we were surprised that the Rams and the uh, Bears were like not playing their starters in the third preseason game. You know, it felt like just days ago when we were doing fantasy team names and then Darius Geis went down with the ACL, Scotty. Can you believe it's already week 15? And at this point, what? You know, only like 20% of fantasy, uh, what do we call them, Scott? Owners or managers? 
Are they owners or managers? Owners. In football? Managers of baseball. Gotcha. Only 20% of fantasy owners are even still live now. You know, if you think about it, Scott, your default league, I guess it's a little more. I, I'd say your default league, Scott, is right, like a 12-team league. And once you get into week 15, most people are in these semifinals. So that means four out of the 12 teams are still live. You know, yeah, so two-thirds two thirds of two the teams are, are gone. gone. You know, yeah. it's, to me, you know, I'm used to the pace. It doesn't seem like just yesterday. Uh, you know, but it, it's been a fun season. You know, the trash talk is always a part of it too. But uh, sure. you know, some, some teams, uh, you know, they they didn't make it. And I think I was talking to the fantasy executive yesterday. I think he's yeah, kind yeah. still sore at you for bringing up his results this year because on the morning after yesterday, he said, you know, that you're not able to take it. You get too emotional when he talks trash to you, and that he started this whole route roto experts thing with me and Adam Ronis and. You know, you're just new on the scene. So, mm-hmm. you know, I said to him, I said, I said, look, I said, I said, uh, Dane kind of destroyed you last week, you know, <laughs> on his show. You know, kind of, kind of silenced you. And, I, <laughs> all, you know, also, also, you know, just, you know, look, Corey was part of, you know, what created this brand. But, Absolutely. you know, s- sometimes, you know, when you bring in new players in a band, they sometimes they might even sound better than the original. Yeah. I mean, listen, here's what we do in human nature. We evolve. We grow. We get better. You know what I mean? Like, that's just human nature. And, you know, Roto Experts in the morning over time, I'm sure, is, is, is seeking to do the same thing. I got love for the fantasy executive. As we talked about it, you know, he, he started this, you know, because he thought that I was making claims that, quite frankly, I never made. You know, and so then I told him to just keep my name out his mouth. I'm trying to be positive. And uh, there's even more reason to be positive. I don't know if I told you the story, Scotty. Uh, one of our listeners, Henry Henderson. Um, literally had his wife in intensive care and literally plays clips from the fantasy freestyle to help them get through. And now the woman has actually, over the weekend, been yeah, uh, released story, from yeah. intensive care. And, you know, that was the feel that I wanted to do. I wanted to keep it focused on winning leagues and winning cash instead of the silly beef. If you wanted to be objective, the record is what the record is. And it's all love, yeah. you know, but I'm not barking up other people's tree and uh, nor should anybody else. If, 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 if the frenzy and the BFFs, they want to have their little beef back and forth. It's all good. Um, stats over beef cipher. They know what we do. Um, but yes, uh, in the leagues we play together, the record speaks for itself. Um, but, you know, if people want to get their advice from the fantasy executive, that's great. And they should. I tell everybody all the time what people should do. Because I also, Scott, and I would love to get your thoughts on this. I don't like how people just, like, ask me or will send me screenshots and be like, what should I do? You know, and completely manage their team for them. You know what I mean? Or just be like, uh, you, you know, in sit-start questions, I answer. And then they'll follow up with like, oh, but what about this, this, and this? I think what people should do, the, the fantasy listeners out there, is they need to take all the insight, all the information they get, and put it all into a pot. And then ultimately make their own decision. They can't go just completely with what, whether it's me, whether it's you, whether it's Corey, whether it's, you know, Frank, whoever it is. They have to take these all as sources of information and then ultimately make their own decision. I don't get why fantasy players out there, like, seems like they almost outsource their decisions and ultimately their accountability to us. You know what I mean? So get the advice from the fantasy executive. Mix it up with some advice from the spitting statistician. Mix it up with some advice from fantasy Taz and then make your own decision. Um, You know, these are all good in points uh for those decisions and then you know when we compete we see who comes out on top and uh i'll leave it at that scotty one thing i do want to ask you is uh we got a big thursday night football game coming up in a mere 
two days. A huge AFC matchup where the number one seed in the AFC could switch hands if the Chargers, my team, goes ahead and gets a W. But there are a lot of guys that are banged up in this one. A lot of big-time guys that are banged up. I mean, on the Chargers side, we're hearing Austin Eckler now is, in fact, in the concussion protocol, dealing with a stinger. They're calling him extremely doubtful. We don't know if Melvin Gordon makes his way back. So now it could be Jackson that really is the workload for the Chargers. On the other side of things, you know, Spencer Ware, a little bit banged up, did not practice. Tariq Hill, everything from saying his heel is really bad to, uh, you know, maybe he's still going to give it a go. It looks like the Chargers and the Chiefs are going to be a little bit depleted in a huge matchup on Thursday. Well, it looks like this Tyreek Hill is expected to play, you know, so that, that that's good. Uh, Mahomes is healthy, obviously. Uh, hopefully I didn't. Jinx that by throwing Please. it out there. Uh, <laughs> Travis Kelsey's healthy. Uh, you know who's playing running back there, so I think you're set on the Chiefs' side. Keenan Allen, Phillip Rivers are healthy. Uh, you know, Obviously, Kareem Hunt's out for non-injury reasons. Most of the relevant players there, except for, for the uh, Charger running backs, should be good to go. Okay, but here's the thing. So when I say depleted, Scott, it doesn't mean that they're not necessarily going to – they won't dress. You know what I mean? But these are guys that, like, for example, Tariq Hill looks like he's going to go, but it's clear. It's obvious that, you know, he is still depleted. You know, his asset is speed. You saw him limping around. He caught a 48-yard bomb while he was limping. Yes, he was limping, but that's the thing. Do you think he's? Do you think he's going to be his same dynamic, explosive self? You think he's going to be in the same full complement of – yeah, but he it caught was, a forty-eight was, uh... yard yard bomb. He was a big part of the play. While while Mahomes was scrambling, he was racing to get open. So, so you're telling me that you have no concerns on any of the health of any of these players? I'm not. I'm not saying that, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not believing that he can't play or that he can't make big plays either. All right, we'll see. You know, a lot of times people are out there and they're decoys. He's got three or days to rest now. That sort of thing. Three days is a lot less than the normal compliment, my friend. We'll talk about this game a little bit more. And look at some waivers if you need it when we come back. It's Roto Experts in the Morning on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. a lot of action going on and if you want to try and capitalize on it let me tell you something if you like to wager go on over to bet dsi they have wagering options for almost any sport you can think of including sides totals player props you can utilize your dfs skills without salary cap constraints you can even wager on esports politics reality tv 
Get an edge with live betting on BetDSI when you can wager virtually at any time during a contest, capitalizing on in-game circumstances. There are so many ways you can make money. Use the promo code FNTSY101 when signing up and go get a 100% bonus deposit match. Once you've opened up your account, check this out. Go to DailyRoto.com, click on the Contact Us, and send us your BetDSI username. We'll give you one month of Daily Roto access totally for free. That's access to all sports, tools, and optimizers. So head on over, open your account at BetDSI. That's promo code FNTSY101 to get your 100% bonus deposit match and one month free membership of DailyRoto.com. That's a good opportunity out there. Scotty, I wanted to uh, look at a little bit of the waiver wire, but first, one other piece of news that caught my eye yesterday I would love to get your take on. The Raiders fired their GM, uh, you know, McKenzie. You know, and, and I'm intrigued by this because he worked with Gruden, I believe, in Green Bay previous list, previously. I remember that big old press conference when they brought in Gruden and they were talking about how, you know, they were going to work together because they have a relationship and blah, blah, blah. And then after, you know, less than a year, nine months of curious moves, whether it's Amari Cooper, whether it's Khalil Mack, whether it's, you know, a lot of these other things they've done, you know, getting the, the older guys like Nelson and Doug Martin, that sort of stuff. You know, it seems like now McKenzie is being made to kind of be the fall guy for the dumpster fire that they are now further insulating or keeping Gruden as Teflon. Well, you know, Gruden's only been there, you know, for a year. Yeah. McKenzie, how long was his tenure? A long time. You know, yeah. something like, and you they, know, they, they almost were, 15 years. Yeah. And what have they done in 15 years? One you know, playoff had, appearance, I think. They've had one playoff appearance. You know, the, the Raiders are a has-been overrated franchise for a long time that's had like one good team like in the past 25 or 30 years. So, but I think this was a long time coming. I think it's it's more than just, you know, what you what you see now. You know, this team desperately needs a new direction as it goes to Las Vegas. Yeah, they, 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 somehow the Raiders are still regarded as a cornerstone franchise in the NFL and I I don't think they've been a cornerstone franchise for a very very long time. They are they are a they are a has been franchise. Yep. No, I, I, I hear you. I just think it's weird. Uh, and I agree with everything you said. Uh, you know, I ran to the under on that season win total. I just think it's weird that, you know, GMs and head coaches have to be in lockstep. We see it with like Shanahan and Lynch in San Francisco. We see it not working with Bowles and McCagnan in New York. There are a lot of reports about that. And, you know, it just, they try to sell it like Gruden and McKenzie were, in fact, of the same mind, were, in fact, yeah, you know, kind of with the same the philosophy. way for Gruden to be in charge of player personnel. Exactly. Probably and that's exactly what's going to happen. Yep, they're yeah. going to let him, you know, make the dinner and uh, shop for the groceries, as Bill Parcells once used doesn't, to say. Doesn't always, doesn't always work. No, it doesn't. doesn't always work. You know, sometimes it proves to be overwhelming for, for a guy to handle it. No, absolutely. But when you have a guy that you you know you're giving ten years and something like a hundred million dollars to or whatever, might as well give him full control, I guess. Yeah, you Jimmy, know, he's... Jimmy. If Jimmy Johnson could do it uh, to the the point of past success, uh, you know, I, I wonder about John Gruden. You know, Jimmy Johnson couldn't do it. Yep. Mike Holmgren couldn't do it. Uh, you know, they they stripped Holmgren of the of the the GM yep. title at one point. Bill Parcells, I think, at one point got the title and then had it stripped. A lot of them, you know, a lot of these big time, uh, 
you know, name notoriety guys, like that's the next kind of level that they go to try to have some of that player personnel. And it's a different skill set. Even think about in the NBA, you know, guys have, who have gone over to the front office. It's a different, it's a different kind of thing to be an executive yeah, or sub, be a, sub, a play manager. Sub coordinators don't make good head coaches. Right, you know, it's we've a different seen skill it set. a lot. You know, it's, you know, some people are just good at certain things and maybe it gets too big for them. You know, I worry about that with Groot. Yeah. Remember, Ted Williams was a horrible hitting coach, you know, so it's, it's all it's a different skill set um, than true. what you may may know them for. All right, Scotty, listen, if you're going into week 15, you probably and your team is still live. You know, you probably don't, quote unquote, need the waiver wire because there wasn't like a ton of injuries last week either. You know, there are the Chargers running backs. We saw Shady, you know, is a little banged up. We'll get reports on that. Obviously, you know, you think Tyreek Hill will be good to go. Big Ben in his ribs, but he'll be probably fine for that uh, big time matchup against the Patriots this week. So I, I, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, but generally speaking, because there weren't huge injuries and because we're in week 15 where we already know and what available out there is you know not you know the best i i would say this should be a pretty light waiver wire week do you think that's probably true pretty much at this point because you know who your starters are but yeah. if you went with Cortland sutton last week right and you started him you know that there, there are some number wide receiver three issues you know that you have to you have to account for maybe you're picking up a tim patrick maybe you're picking yep. up a a foster you know somebody yep. like that i really so, like what i see what i saw out of patrick last week i felt like I felt like Case Keenum went to him on a lot of important downs. If you're still struggling at tight end, you might want to, you know, go with Ian Thomas because, you know, watching that game again yesterday, it seemed like on a lot of key downs in the second half that Cam Newton was looking his way. Yep, I agree with you. Uh, you know, so let me first add about these wide receivers. You know, you mentioned Robert Forster, right? He's only one percent owned. You know, because Zay Jones was not the guy who kind of picked it up. You mentioned the Denver wideouts that were not Sutton. You would rather uh, Tim Patrick over Deshaun Hamilton, who's been in the slot? It, it, it's kind of tough. You Is know? it like a people? Because I, I would almost submit in PPR, I, maybe I, you want Hamilton. In standard, maybe you want Patrick. I felt like he looked for, you know, adding context. I feel I feel like he he looked for for uh, for Patrick more and keep passing downs. I'm slightly going to lead towards Patrick after watching that game. Okay. Uh, let me throw one other name that I saw on, like, the heavy transaction list. Guy is only 31% owned. Listen, I'm not trying to say that he's going to be a difference maker, but I would consider him, to be quite honest, better than some of the names we're throwing around, or at least a bigger name value. What do you think about Kenny Stills, Scotty? Nah, I'm not doing it. Way, way too erratic, way too inconsistent. He's better when Tannehill is in there. But against any team, you know, that guy can certainly pull a zero or a two in any given week. There's no way I want to use him against the Minnesota Vikings this upcoming week. I mean, couldn't Tim Patrick also put in a zero? You'd rather Tim Patrick and Reuben Foster over these guys? Over over Stills? I'd rather do Tim Patrick over Stills. Uh, yeah, and I'd probably do Reuben Foster. I mean, he's had four games and he's over 90 yards in three of them. Kenny Stills is way too boomer bust. Okay. Um, and you mentioned Ian Thomas. He was the kind of only tight end that I thought as Greg Olson is, you know, out of there. And you've mentioned all year long how the uh, the Panthers, you know, kind of like this kid's skill set. Let me ask you something about um, quarterbacks. Let's and, and, and your quarterback's position is probably fine, right? Let me ask you something, Scott. Let's say you're in this position. Let's say you're in a two-quarterback league, right? And your two yeah. quarterbacks this week, and your two quarterbacks all season long, 
have been Big Ben and Cam Newton. Big Ben, who now has a rib kind of thing, did miss a quarter of action, will probably be fine. Cam Newton, who there's a lot of rumblings about his shoulder, Heineke coming in for Hail Marys and things like that. And let's say Josh Allen is available on your waiver wire. Do you make a move? No, I'm not going to start above a Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. Um, fair enough. So I'm looking at quarterbacks that are heavily added right now and or at ownership percentages that might be out there because I'm trying to find a scenario where you would maybe want uh, a Josh Allen. Maybe you had a two-quarterback league and your second quarterback is an underperforming guy. I've mentioned Matthew Stafford. You say you've probably gotten away from him already. But I see out there right now. A lot of right those now, leagues, i got to imagine Allen's already been scooped up and plugged into the lineup. No, I hear you, but listen, so here's what I'm saying, you know, and the other quarterback that I'll mention here that has had a nice couple of games that may have a renaissance that may be out there, Dak Prescott is only owned in 50-some-odd percent of leagues. Now, I know, Scott, that, you know, these guys are owned in the super flex, the two quarterbacks, but I'm just saying, and I, I, I started this entire segment, Scott, with at this point in the season, you're probably, it's not needed for most people. So I understand and acknowledge that. But for anybody that is on the waiver wire looking for uh, quarterback help in week, you know, 15, maybe they were riding, I don't know, with Mark Sanchez, for God's sakes, or Cody Clark, who knows? Like, where might you look? Is it Josh Johnson? Is it Dak Prescott? Is it Josh Allen? Where are you looking? It's certainly not Josh Johnson. I know, but uh, I'm just saying. If- I think if people had quarterback issues, they probably already picked these guys up. I can't. I can't imagine, you know, with four teams left in a lot of leagues, that you know, there's going to be too many teams considering these type of moves. All right. So maybe at the quarterback. If you've already position. had a quarterback issue, you probably already started Josh Allen this past week. You know, but look, nothing's absolute. But if you have Russell Wilson and you're worried about the lack of passing yardage and what he's coming off of. Uh, let's say we get bad know, they, news on Big Ben t- today, that his rib is really a problem. There was already, already reports yesterday that he's expected to play. Yeah, I, I hear that, Scott, but that's not the, my point. My point is, let's say you have some reason where you do, in fact, have quarterback issues. Instead of dissecting what that issue may or may not be, let's get to the point where there is someone who has a quarterback issue. Then what do they do? Well, honestly, to, to answer your question, I think, I think A – it's already been addressed, and B, those guys are not available. I, I, I'm sorry. I just can't envision a scenario where, you know, a guy has a, a quarterback problem and he hasn't picked up a Josh Allen or a Dak Prescott, and they're still surviving in their league. All right. So you're saying that in the world of fantasy, it is irrelevant to worry about quarterbacks on the waiver wire at this point. I can't see, I can't see a situation where if you already had a worry and you still survived, that you haven't addressed it by picking up a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson or or a Dak Prescott. And a lot of those teams that are worried about that, I think, have an advantage. Now, look, there might be a case where somebody's out there listening and, you know, it's a public I'm, league. And, of course, you're to help worried those about Russell, Will, <laughs> Russell Wilson. You know, I think he might be able to count those people on one hand. Then go ahead and pick up Josh Allen. But I think for the most part, I, I would say it's not relevant. All right. At running back, it may be a little bit more relevant because there are, you know, people, there are things that happened over week 14 that create some issues potentially. Maybe it's Austin Eckler or otherwise. Maybe we get bad word about Spencer Ware. I understand the reports are that they are probably progressing. But again, let's make let's already cross that horizon and accept that we are trying to help out the people out there who do have running back issues. So if we accept that they have issues that they want to make moves about. 
Um, what about, listen, uh, Damian Williams, Elijah McGuire. I checked Derek Henry is only owned in 55% of leagues, Scott, because we've been talking about how he needed to get cut. You know, like what are we doing in the running back situation if instead of saying you shouldn't have issues, if we accept that there are people listening to the sounds of our voice this morning who do need this insight, where do you want them to go for running back? What's different in running back? you got to start two. There's been injuries. There's been workload fluctuation, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, I think Elijah McGuire, after watching him yesterday, uh, you know, he's versatile. Sam Darnold will go to him out of the backfield. Uh, you know, he's not afraid of the point of attack. And, uh, you know, I think he can take on some of a workload there and, you know, maybe be a viable flex play for you if you're having some running back issues. All right. What about, uh, say, Damian Williams? No, he's he's no. not going to get enough touches. Those the, those two touchdowns were like an uh, I think an anomaly. He's a complimentary back. If you have Spencer Ware, you want to pick him up as the handcuff. I think. I see. But other than that, I don't think he has any fantasy appeal. You know, and we all talked about you know on Friday show, Scotty. We all talked about Derrick Henry and his whatever it was. I think like forty-seven or forty-nine points, whatever it was for Week fourteen. But we all kind of also mentioned that this is a you know it was maybe just a great night for him. That this is not what he has shown. Are you going to the Derrick Henry? Well, maybe not. We're talking about a waiver wire, but are you starting him uh, this week? Or was that I'm just a one week kind I'm of thing? Picking him up, and he's playing Washington, so. You know, if they want to continue to ride the hot hand there and continue to feed him the ball, I think Derrick Henry's viable as a flex play. Okay, fair enough. And then I want to ask you now, now we've reached the point of the show, Scott, where I'm going to be selfish and I want to talk about or, or ask you about the things, the running backs that truly matter to me. I have I had a bunch of teams that were on bye last week and good thing that those teams were on bye because those teams have stud running backs that have been out and, you know, there's still really kind of no answer for some of these guys. How would you treat the following running back situations if you own these people you know there's James Connor who it looks like may be out again you know they're saying it could be a multiple week thing there's um there's Melvin Gordon who now with the Austin Eckler thing they're saying like maybe he could go but this is a short turnaround now and the last one I want to wonder about who's you know we haven't heard much about and he's missed a few weeks already um, what about Carrion Johnson for the Detroit Lions you know they ran with LeGarrette Blunt and Zach Zenner um, last week, but what do you think about running back stud owners like, you know, Connor, Gordon, and Carrion Johnson? How do you uh, organize yourself for week 15 if you have those guys? You've had to organize yourself already. You know, we yep. warned you about picking up the backups to these guys yep. or some of the other top pickups. You know, if you didn't prepare for this for already, you know, you're in a lot of trouble, I think. Okay. Um, do you have any insight on, uh, if you think a guy like if, – if we think those guys are coming back, do you have any tea leaves on, say, Carrion Johnson? Well, you're asking me to predict something that's not out there. The only one that's out there is James Conner as an outside shot to play. I can't make a prediction if these guys are going to play or not. Uh, you know, we haven't heard the reports yet. We don't know how they're going to heal, et cetera. You know, I, I can't say if these guys are going to play or not. You're going to have to prepare as if they're not going to be out, and if they somehow come, come back, it's a bonus. All right, fair enough. Uh, 
We will check practice reports. There will be practice reports for the Thursday night football game for the Chargers and the Chiefs. So we'll get more, maybe more clarity on the Melvin Gordon question. And then tomorrow starts the practice week for week 15. So a lot of people uh, will, will, will update you there as the week goes on. Scotty, last quick thing I wanted to mention. Remember the Miami Miracle yesterday with the, uh, you know, the, the, the laterals and all that stuff, right? They were yeah. down 33 to 28 going into that. The final score was 34-33. And, you know, they were all celebrating, you know, and, you know the whole team together and, and all this stuff, the stadium guards and fans and all that stuff. I have a question for you, Scott. Did they, what did they do with the extra point there? Like, they have to kick the extra point. And I would think that someone like the Patriots would care because if there's a bad snap and it went back the other way, that would have been two points the other way, giving the Patriots the win. Did they snap the extra point? On Sunday? I, I got to be honest with you. I didn't pay any attention to that. But, right? Like, they have to snap it. They have to still do the extra point. And especially in a one-point lead, especially a guy like Bill Belichick, you know, on just the 1% chance that there's a bad snap. Medical in the Mirrorlands, bad snap on, a, on the field goal attempt in the environment where the Patriots were to, you know, take it back. That would have been two points and the win for the Patriots. I saw the final score was 34-33, and I just know there was so much celebration. I'd be really interested to know if they lined up and actually even snapped to check the box score. They have to, right? It'll, 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 it'll say uh, the drive log, the play log. Sanders kick. Sanders All right, kick. Well, we got to check place. that. I'm going to check that right now. We'll talk tomorrow, Scotty. Have a great rest of your fantasy day. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.